this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Nabil Biaja in Washington. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on The Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the September 6th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Let's kick off with African women's football. Three of Africa's four women's World Cup bound teams, Nigeria, Zambia, and South Africa, are warming up for next year's tournament with international matches. Here in Washington, the Super Falcons of Nigeria play the second of two friendlies against the world number one USA later Tuesday night. The American women clipped the wings of the Super Falcons 4-0 in their first friendly on Saturday in Kansas City, Kansas. Sophia Smith scored two goals for the USA. I mean, it was great build-up. That's stuff that we work on in practice, just simple, simple things. And I think we just executed it really well. Foxy played a great ball. Um, and, yeah, all I had to do was just be in the right place. The crowd was amazing. I mean, you could feel their energy until the very last minute of the game. And I think it's it's just great for women's soccer to see this kind of a crowd turn up in the middle of the day. So it's it's great. Meanwhile, the Copper Queens of Zambia and Banyana Banyana of South Africa are both through to the semifinals of the Kasafa Women's Championship, which South Africa is hosting. For reaction to South Africa's performance, Iron Mike Mbonye contacted Banyana Banyana's media officer, Namla Mpelo. We're very happy to be top of the group. Uh, you know, we are working on uh, opening the pool for players to 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 strengthen our banana banana squad before they go to the world cup next year so it's great that we've assembled a team in such a short time and they've managed to win both their opening matches south africa is using complete new team in the kosofa women's football championship is this the team of the future more than them being the the, the future yes actually yes um they are the future of Banyana because our players are coming from our under-17 and under-20 squad. And the ones that are playing mostly for TUT are former Banyana Banyana players. So they're very experienced. Um, they are ones that we are obviously developing for the future who are playing in our under-20 and under-17. And like I said in my first answer, we are trying to make the pool bigger for the squad that will be going to the World Cup next year. From the games played so far, which team or teams is a threat to Banyana Banyana? Um, obviously, uh, once we see the draw for the semi-final, uh, we will see which teams are a threat. You know, Zambia is always a good opponent to play. Botswana has also become very good over the past few years. So we're looking at Zambia, definitely the reigning champions, Tanzania, and Botswana, who's also become a very good um, opponent to play against. That's Namla Mpelo, the media officer of South Africa's national women's football team. 
And she spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Sporty greetings. This is Namsham Pelo, media officer of Banyana Banyana of South Africa. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. And don't forget to check out VOAAfrica.com for all your favorite VOA programs, including the sunny side of sports. And for world news, go to VOANews.com. On the next Straight Talk Africa, Zambia is receiving a big rescue loan from the International Monetary Fund. Will this lead to a better life for Zambians and help rebuild the country's economy? Plus, we'll discuss the race for digital supremacy in Africa. China is a frontrunner. Will the Asian nation outpace the United States? Join me, Heidi Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa, this Wednesday at 1830 UTC. The UEFA Champions League is getting into full swing this Tuesday evening, and African footballers are ready to light up the biggest club competition in the world. Michael Cariotti looks at the journey ahead for these African football heroes. When Liverpool lost the UEFA Champions League Cup final 1-0 to Real Madrid in May, the whole of Africa cried, along with Egypt's Mohamed Salah, Senegal's Sadio Mane, and Guinea's Nabi Keita. Africa wanted their most famous sons to lay their hands on the biggest club football competition in the world, a competition that made Ghana's Abedi Pele popular at Marseille in 1993. The good news is that the competition is returning on September 6, and Africa's footballers will be key in determining who wins the oldest, most prestigious club prize. Mane has moved to Bayern Munich, but Salah remains at Liverpool. Akraf Hakim of Morocco is at PSG. Ivory Coast's Frank Cassie is at AC Milan. Edward Tapsoba of Burkina Faso is at Bayer Leverkusen. And Senegal's Kalido Koulibaly has moved to Chelsea from Napoli, a clear shore of the vast African talent spread all over the Champions League show. Add Algeria's Riyad Mahrez, who is still at Man City, then one is a powerful lineup of African stars waiting on the wings to prove a point in the hugely followed competition. Former footballer Dumisan Mpofu believes Mane will this year be the star of the Champions League show, replacing Karim Benzema, who was in a class of his own for Real Madrid. The player that I think will shine will be Sadio Mane, because I'm a Sadio Mane fan. Panther Farai Kambamura, who survives on football betting, believes it will also be Mane's Bayern who will wear the crown of champions. I would like to believe and understand Bayern Munich have got a strong team to conquer the world. The small teams too, like Dinamo Zagreb, Maccabi Haifa, FC Copenhagen, Club Rouge, Celtic, Shakhtar Donetsk, Rangers, Victoria Prusen, and Red Bull Salzburg will also have their following because of increased interest in betting. 
Salzburg have always had a following in Africa, having set up the career of Mane and later on that of Zambia's Patson Daka, who is now at least in the EPL. They will also be the likes of Sevilla, Dortmund, Leipzig, Napoli, Atletico Madrid, Sporting Lisbon, and of course, Entrant Frankfurt, who won the Europa League for 2021-2022. Not forgotten are former champions Marseille, Porto, Ajax, Inter Milan, and Benfica, who are eyeing another title. However, Mpofu, who played at AFCON 2004 with Zimbabwe, believes it is the big guns and their big name players like PSG who will have the last laugh. Some teams, they have luck, you know, and they can go all the way and beat the best teams and, uh, yeah, win the trophy. So, yeah, but uh, like I said, PSG, Bayern Munich, and uh, I want I also want to throw my favorite team, Liverpool, in the mix there. All in all, 32 teams remain after 52 clubs from the lower-ranked leagues took part in the qualifying rounds. Defending champions, Real Madrid opened their campaign on Tuesday away to Celtic, a team that dominates in Scotland but struggles on the international front. Surely the race for the Champions League is going to be highly competitive, but it looks like a pretty good bet that an African footballer or footballers will have their hands on the trophy when the competition finally comes to an end in May 2023. So... Let the Champions League show begin. For the sunny side of sports, this is Michael Kariati in Harare, Zimbabwe. Thanks, Michael. Michael mentioned that Celtic versus defending champion Real Madrid encounter this Tuesday evening in Scotland. VOA's Gwen Uten will have a preview of that match later in the show. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends, breakout artists, new releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. Francis Tiafo scored one of the biggest victories of his career at the U.S. Open in New York. Tiafo toppled 22-time Grand Slam singles champion Rafael Nadal of Spain in four sets to advance to the quarterfinals of the year's final major tournament. Now, this is the second time Tiafo has advanced to the quarterfinals of a major. 
He reached the final eight at the 2019 Australian Open. The AP's Graham Agars joins us now with a report on Francis Tiafo's big victory over Nadal in New York. Men's second seed Rafael Nadal has been knocked out of the U.S. Open in the fourth round by a hard-charging Francis Tiafo. The American slammed home 49 winners, including 18 aces, on his way to his first quarterfinal in New York, securing the three-hour and 34-minute battle 6-3 in the fourth. Definitely one hell of a performance. I played, played really well today. Um... Yeah, I guess I mean I just came out there and I just believed I can do it. Um, it helps that I played him a couple times. I haven't played him in some years, and um, I was different. I'm a different person now, a different player, and I went out there trying to get a dub, and that's what I did. I still feel no pressure. I still feel like I don't, I'm not supposed to do anything. Um, I'm just here trying to play great tennis and, and enjoy it. I'm having fun out there, as you can see. The men's championship is now wide open. In women's action, Jessica Bagula reached her first U.S. Open quarter after straight-setting Petra Kvitova that to next face the top seed, Iga Svantec. Bad news, though, for fellow American Danielle Collins. She lost in three to Irina Sabalenka. I'm Graham Agar. Thanks, Graham. For his part, Rafa Nadal says Francis Tiafo deserved the win and now he intends to take a break from tennis. He played with the right determination. Yeah, congrats to him. Wish him all the very best. I need to go back. I need to fix uh, things, life, and then uh, I don't know when I gonna when I gonna come back. I I gonna try to be uh, ready mentally uh, when I feel that I I will be ready to compete again. I will I will be there. In U.S. Open quarterfinal action Tuesday. Tunisian star Anz Jabur, who is seated fifth in New York, will take on Australia's Isla Tomjanovic. Tomjanovic already has posted one big victory in New York. She eliminated American star Serena Williams in the third round in what very well could be the last singles match of Serena's amazing tennis career. What is Serena Williams's legacy? We'll hear now from some of her peers on the Women's Tennis Association tour. And we start with two-time U.S. Open champion Naomi Osaka of Japan. I think that her legacy is really wide to the point where you can't even describe it in words. Like, she changed the sport so much. She's introduced people that have never heard of tennis um, into the sport and I think I'm a product of what she's done I wouldn't be here without um, Serena Venus you know her whole family and I'm like very thankful to her and what was really weird is I watched her first match in Toronto before she announced it and for some reason I just started crying because I felt it like I felt like um, you know, when I played her in Australia people were like that's the last time she's going to be in Australia I was like, dang, I really don't want this to be true. And then um, I kind of felt like she was gearing up for her last U.S. swing. And I just started crying. And then she announced it the day later. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is this is what devastation must feel like. But, yeah, I mean, it's just really it really is an honor just to keep watching her play. Meanwhile, 18 year old American Coco Goff says Venus Williams and Serena Williams are her tennis idols. She says Serena and Venus 
are the reason she wanted to pick up a tennis racket. And Coco talks about when she first met Serena. Um, so I first met Serena. She doesn't probably definitely doesn't know this. I don't. I think I was nine or ten years old, and um, they needed a stunt double to play a young version of her, just to face down. Uh, I think it was for a Delta commercial. I don't even think they ever used it. I don't think they ever used it, but that was like my first check I ever got as a kid. Um, so, so she doesn't know this, but the first money I ever made for myself was because of her doing a commercial. So I met her, and I stopped by her trailer, took a picture, and she did. Yeah, I don't. She probably doesn't even know, but yeah, my mom actually sent me a picture like a couple weeks ago of me like waiting, um, getting my hair done by the people, and then I think really just her the way she was able to transcribe in the sport that's predominantly white. I feel like that's something as a little girl, and even now, um, just meant a lot to me. Um, especially like growing up, there wasn't you know. I would say before I was born, there wasn't many. And before Serena came along, there wasn't, you know, not really an icon of the sport that looked like me. And so growing up, I never thought that I was different because, you know, the number one player in the world was somebody who looked like me. So I think that's the biggest thing that I can take from what I've learned from Serena. Then also on a more personal personal level, I got to, you know, have a couple conversations with, with her um, later on in life. And... Um, I think it's just the way that she handles her, herself and she never puts herself down. And I love that she always elevates herself. And a lot of times being a woman and in the world, a black woman in the world, you kind of settle for less. And I feel like Serena um, just taught me that from watching her. She never settled for less. I don't I can't think of a moment in her in her career, in her life that she settled for less. And I think that's something that I took from and I never me as a person as I'm growing into being an adult and learning um, how to handle things now um, with media and tennis and everything. I'm trying to learn to not settle for less. Coco Goff says Serena's long professional tennis career spanning almost a quarter century of success is truly amazing. Really impressive. I mean, she won her first U.S. Open years before I was born. So um, I guess part of, you know, I've seen her career my whole life, but, you know, part of it I didn't see. Um, so, and, it, and you know, I've missed a lot of it. And even at that point, it seems super long. So um, I think it's just, you know, it's, you know, it's hard to dominate for generations. <laughs> I mean, she showed that, but that's why for me, like, she's always going to be considered the GOAT because she didn't dominate one generation. She didn't dominate two generations she dominated for three plus generations and i don't think anybody else did that so um that's why um it's sad to see her leave but also at the same time um you know she's doing she's going to do completely a bunch of amazing things um off the court i mean she's in the fashion world um she i saw her model walk the runway of a show like we're going to see a lot of serena later on coco goff is currently ranked number 12 in the world in the Women's Tennis Association singles rankings, the woman ranked 14th in the world. Canada's Leila Fernandez comments on Serena Williams's legacy. Like for me, Serena's achieved so much in the game. And, you know, to be playing for this long, I think it's really inspiring and um, just, just shows her drive. And, and it's just quite incredible how how dominating she's been for for the majority of her career and um yeah I think that she I love watching her play and for me facing her the other week I was you know I couldn't think about who was on the other side of the court because I knew as soon as I did like my mind would probably start going 
Um, so I, I just had to take it and look at the ball and not think about anything else. And, and it's really, really challenging. So Finally, we'll hear from the world's number one ranked women's tennis player, Iga Świątek of Poland, about Serena Williams's legacy. Um, she has done so much. And honestly, like, for me, it's still pretty surreal when I see her and... I f- still feel like, you know, um, I'm just a kid who's who's watching, you know, and um, I watched her my, my whole life. Basically, she was everywhere because she always <laughs> always won uh, and was somewhere in the same finals or, or the finals. So I didn't always feel like um, I'm this kind of player who can, like, play similar tennis because she always seemed so strong and really stronger than any of her opponents physically. Uh, but mentally, for sure... Um, She's the one who's going to show you how to use your position and how to kind of intimidate with being number one. Um, and I'm not, I'm trying to do that, you know. I don't know if it's going well or not. We're going to see probably in a couple of months or maybe next season. Uh, but for sure, she's she's the great example. And especially um, also with how she copes with having business and playing at the same time or being a mother and playing at the same time. It's just amazing. It's not like... Uh, many athletes have athletes have done that, so um, I, I I think it's great that we have somebody like that in our sport to who cleared the path and kind of show us that you can do anything and sky's the limit. That's Iga Świątek of Poland, the world's number one ranked women's tennis player commenting on the legacy of American star Serena Williams. Sviantek will play American Jessica Pagula on Wednesday in a quarterfinal match at the U.S. Open in New York. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. This is the voice of America. Washington, D.C. Hi, this is Larry London, the host of VOA's Border Crossings, where we feature music and interviews along with your favorite artists from around the world. Tune in and interact live with us here in Washington, D.C. Hello, Shirin. Hello, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you tonight? Border Crossings comes to you Monday through Friday at 1500 UTC GMT. Thanks, Larry. That's Larry London, a man who's always ready to cross musical borders. And speaking of crossing borders, the Spanish football club Real Madrid crossed the border into Scotland this evening to play Celtic and begin defense of its UEFA Champions League title. Joining us now with a preview is VOA's Gwen Uden. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. Reigning La Liga champions Real Madrid have gotten off to a perfect start at the top of league standings with four wins from as many matches in their new campaign. And they hope to maintain their winning ways when they begin their Champions League title defense on Tuesday. However, the group stage opening match will be a tough one. Real are set to face Celtic, a team that is also 
also undefeated and at the top of the Scottish Premiership. Real Madrid coach Carlo Ancelotti spoke to reporters in Glasgow, Scotland, ahead of Tuesday's match. He says that while he expects his upcoming clash to be difficult, his side is ready to counter Celtic's plan of attack. Celtic is not going to change their style, their attitude on the pitch. They are going to, they want, they, they want to play attacking football. This is uh, absolutely more uh, normal at their house. We are not worried to defend because we defend well, I think, and we defended really well in the past. I think one of the key points of the victory last season was to defend well sometimes. And Salati's prediction proved to be correct. Celtic manager Ans Postacoglu spoke to reporters at a team news conference and training session where he confirmed his side will not adjust their style of play when they face the visiting reigning European champions. There's no point playing football a certain way and then when you, you get you know, the opportunity to, to measure it against the very best, you shy away from it and, and you kind of go, well you know what, let's just try and limit sort of any sort of damage tomorrow night, then that's not really a test because you don't know. Because you could go out there tomorrow night and, yeah, you could limit the damage and you might get a win playing a different way. But have you really tested yourself? I don't think you have. So when I say test ourselves, that's what I mean. I mean, we go out there tomorrow night, being the football team, we have been to this point. And, you know, you measure, then you've got a real measure of where you're at. And if we're, if we're short of where we need to be, then we, we go back, dust ourselves off and work at it again, get a little bit closer next time. Postacoglu has been involved with Celtic since he signed on to coach the Glasgow club in 2021. The Australian manager sought to revive Celtic through their attack style of play, summed up best by the club's philosophy and slogan, we never stop. His tactic paid off. In 2021, Celtic won the Scottish League Cup and Postacoglu earned five Manager of the Month awards and the title of Scotland. Manager of the Year. Celtic are now in their first Champions League group match since 2017. And Postacoglu says his ultimate goal is to make his club a regular side in the competition. I've been, I've been pretty fortunate. I've, I've coached at you know, World Cups, Confeds Cups, um, you know, um, Asian Champions League. We were open last year, so you know you, you, these are the things that you want to experience as you know as as a football manager. And and I've been really fortunate that I've had some some great experiences, and um, this will be another one. And like you said, you want to test yourself against the best. But I think what's more important is that you know this football club gets an opportunity to play in a tournament where um, we want to be. You know, we want to be a, a consistent performer in, and um, you know that's what. Uh, yeah, this whole sort of um, objective is for us, for us, sorry. And Postacoglu believes his upcoming tie with Real Madrid will test the blueprint that helps Celtic reach the top of Scottish football. We'll just try and play our football, be the best team we can be. And, and you know, the, the, the end result is often, you know, um, a, a consequence of, of, you know, good performance, strong performance. So there's no point us thinking about winning or losing or any other result without thinking about, well, first thing we want to do is make sure we perform because we know we're playing against, you know, a top football team um, with some fantastic players, with a brilliant manager. And what we want to do is go out there and be the, you know, offer the best of ourselves to, 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 to measure up against that. 
Celtic will be up against a more experienced team in the Champions League. Real Madrid have clinched the European crown a record 14 times with their latest victory in 2022. Real and Celtic are in Group F in this year's Champions League. They are joined by Ukrainian club Shakhtar Donetsk and Germany's RB Leipzig, two teams that are also set to kick off their Champions League campaign on Tuesday. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. Oh, spotty greetings. This is Coach Kike Rafiu, former director of operations from University of Delaware. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Finally, an update on the Women's National Basketball Association playoffs here in the USA. There are two semifinal games later Tuesday night. The Connecticut Sun will host the defending WNBA champion Chicago Sky. And the Seattle Storm are at home against the Las Vegas Aces. Chicago and Las Vegas lead their respective best of five semifinal series two games to one. So they'll advance this evening with victories. The WNBA Finals will also be a best-of-five competition, and that championship series is scheduled to tip off on Sunday. And that wraps up the September 6th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.